Hello and welcome to Cracked Open, a podcast guiding you on your journey to becoming a vessel of unconditional love. This is your host, Beck Mylonis, High Priestess, Channel, and Activator. Join me on this series as I share reflections, insights, and channel transmissions from my journey of walking the initiation path. Each episode is a unique transmission containing supportive frequencies to facilitate the deepest healing, activation, and reconnection with your soul. I invite you to open your mind and set the intention to receive this episode into your heart space. Let's go. Welcome, beautiful beings, to another episode of Cracked Open. Today, I have a beautiful guest with me, Emma Zia. She is a dear soul sister of mine. We've not technically actually met in person, which is still crazy to me. And I'm in Australia. Why haven't we met? I don't know. It's 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 well. Mm-hmm. Um, Emma is a or was a friend of a friend who decided that we just needed to meet and he had to put us in contact. And we kind of came into contact. I think it was around 2019, 2020, yeah. something like that, quite a while ago. Um, and we just hit it off and Emma had me on her podcast about a year ago, which was a beautiful um, co-creation. So I'm excited to bring Emma on because she's, we always have these really profound conversations together. And I love the content that she's putting out at the moment. Emma is a beautiful feminine leader. She really embodies that essence that frequency. Um, I love watching you step up and share kind of your light with the world and the way that you do it. So technically with her official bio, Emma Mm -hmm. is the founder and lead consultant of Uncaged Consulting, host of the Life Uncaged podcast, which I would definitely give a listen to, um, international speaker, mentor to growth stage business owners and facilitator of the In Her Wild Women's Retreat. Her forte is catalyzing personal and professional growth through education and embodiment of energetic intelligence, emotional intelligence, and metaphysical principles. With her podcast streamed in 34 countries and having spoken to audiences internationally across a variety of sectors, oh my God, I'm struggling today, Emma (laughs) is fast becoming an influential voice in blending metaphysics into the mainstream for high um, enhanced high performance, personal well-being, and connection to a deeper purpose. Before I let Emma introduce herself, I want to say we are filming this right in the full moon Leo energy, <laughs> where mm-hmm. it's where it kind of smack bang in the two two to the two 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 portal. Um, lots of energy going on. We both nearly kind of rescheduled this me because I'm a shit show energetically today and Emma because she had some other stuff going on, but we trusted and showed up that there's going to be some juice in this. So I'm already feeling a lot of big energy. We're kind of open to the flow of where this will go, but um, let's just deep dive and see what happens. So Emma, I would love for you to tell us all a little bit about your heroine's journey and how you got here being this beautiful feminine leader, um, doing the work that you do and, and what were the key moments, moments in your story or your journey that enabled you to step into all that you are currently. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for such a beautiful and potent introduction. And it is wild to think we've been connected for four years. Like that blows my mind because we connected. I just want to say this before I answer your question. We connected like just before the whole world went to shit. <laughs> timing (laughs) yeah and I love how we really supported each other through navigating like the beginning stages of you know the collective crumbling that we experienced and how we were experiencing that individually and I'll never ever forget um that experience and that connection with you and how we've supported each other so I just want to start by saying that so to answer your question 
I was born into a family of energy healers and psychics. So for as long as I can remember, I've experienced precognition, I've experienced extrasensory abilities. Um, I've always kind of had one foot in the metaphysical realm and then one foot in the physical realm. And that came with a lot of challenges. So in high school, I actually developed really bad social anxiety. Um, and there was always this big theme in my life of why am I even here? Like I felt so invisible through most of my childhood and teenage years and even early 20s. And that's probably been the biggest gift for me to embody is going from feeling invisible to actually finding my voice, finding my power, finding my, my innate leadership. Um, because I think what it was like after a lot of decoding and working with healers and coaches is back then spirituality and energy was so taboo. It was so not spoken about. It wasn't accepted of. And so there was me going into school, trying to connect with people but I was picking up on everything that they were experiencing psychically. I was actually energetically processing, you know, things that they were going through behind the scenes. And it was really hard for me because I felt like I couldn't show up authentically. And so all the way through school, I felt like I was a mute. I didn't really have a voice. You know, I was, I was that girl that would sit at the canteen table and I couldn't speak up because I was like, well, what if I say it's stupid, dumb, or it's not received? Um, and so what happened was, throughout my childhood I had this perpetuating thought of and it makes me a little bit emotional every time I think about this but I had the perpetuating thought of maybe if I wasn't here anymore maybe then people would know that I even existed in the first place it was so so strong and honestly in the last like five six seven years that's been like the big thing that I've been working through and all of the undercurrents that are connected with that because that's the biggest thing if we're not even claiming our existence we're not living right? This is, this is the big, big, big theme that underlies the self-worth issues, the self-confidence issues, the ability to step up and take action on what inspires us. It all comes down to the fact of, are we fully claiming our space here? Are we fully living? Are we actually fully embodied and grounded in, okay, this is me, Emma, in this lifetime, and I'm going to see what I'm capable of achieving and being and doing, right? So anyway, that was, that was my kind of theme of feeling very, very invisible. And I realized that there was this voice that was subtle, but it was there. And it said, Emma, you do not need to live like this. It's like this voice was telling me that there is a version of me that exists that isn't invisible and that I don't have to feel the pain from feeling so invisible. And as soon as I felt and heard that voice, I made a commitment to always listen to that voice. And even though the other voice saying you're invisible, no one loves you, no one sees you, there's no point being here, even though that voice existed, I chose that the other voice was going to be the leading energy because I decided that that was what was going to take me to the places that I'm here to go to. So listening to that voice, I started to put myself in situations that would really stretch me and challenge me and situations that I felt I would feel confident in. So from quite a young age, like I moved away for college, it's a bit different in Australia, but in England, you go to high school, then you go to college for two years, then you go to uni for three years. So I moved away for college. So I was in a completely new group of people, new experience. And that really opened me up to allowing people into my life. And I actually built like a really good, solid friendship group that felt like family. And that's kind of where I started to feel safe enough to start expressing myself and allow parts of myself to come out. 
Um, I then in my gap year, I then just, I traveled a lot. Like I would literally just get in my car. I would go to Bournemouth for three days. I would go to London for a week. Like I was just here, there and everywhere. My mum never knew where I really was. And I did that because I wanted to put myself in new groups, new situations, traveling experiences that were always going to stretch me and push me. Um, I then ended up being a dance teacher as well for a year. So teaching GCSE students, which I don't know what you call it here, but it's like year 11 students. That was a really good experience, like having to lead other um, kids, right, through their experience, through self-discovery. That taught me a lot. I then moved away for uni and that was a really big learning experience. So I consistently put myself in these situations. I ended up working in London in the media, doing TV shows. I was a dancer in music videos. Um, I was even on, um, what's that game, Guitar Hero. Like I was doing all of these really cool, exciting like shoots. And it was so incredible because I come from a performing arts background. So I've been a dancer since I was five years old. I loved the experience of it. However, I realized that although I was gaining confidence on camera, I was still not being myself. So I was being rewarded and congratulated and paid and celebrated for acting as someone else. And that's been the theme my whole life, right? Even when I was five years old and I started competing in dance on stage, I was being celebrated and getting awards and getting medals for being someone or something else. And that's when it hit me that I'm trying to find myself in characters still. I'm still trying to play these different masks and characters and identities. And I was like, I still don't feel fully confident. I don't feel embodied. And so that's when I started this self-help journey. Now, obviously, because I come from a family of energy healers and psychics, like self-help has been something that I've been around and aware of my entire life. And I remember my dad introduced me to the field of, um, you know, consciousness through Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he was giving me the book, you know, you are the placebo and things like that. So I was aware of it, but I decided to really like understand self-esteem specifically. So I was actually doing this assignment at uni and it was all about social media. Funnily enough, this was before social media was even a thing. And the big theme that came through with social media was self-image and how we can play a character online and how we get to choose how people perceive us based off of what we choose to present ourselves as. And I was more towards the bias of social media being, being very disempowering, which is funny because now I show up every day and I love it, but like everything in this reality is not so much the tool or it's not so much what it is, it's more the intention behind it. So when I was doing this assignment, I started to read this book called The Eight Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. And as I was turning each page, I felt like it was really like a therapy. It was a therapy session. Each, each chapter was a therapy session. And I started to understand the actual reason that I felt so insecure and so shy. And it was really all because of my self-esteem. And, you know, that really comes back down to that thing of I wasn't claiming my space here. I was always questioning and feeling uncertain in my very existence. So no matter what I wanted to do, whether it was acting or, you know, whatever, it was always going to come from that place of trying to find how I fit in into something other than who I really was. And this just started to open me and to use your words, crack me open to the reality of what was going on really, really deep, deep down internally. And so I then found myself on this path of um, studying and certifying in certain modalities. So energy psychology was the first certification that I enrolled in. Um, I then went to enroll in my energy healer training and meditation teacher, holistic development counseling. 
all of those things. And each time I did these certifications, it was just another cracking open, another cracking open, another cracking open. And so it's really been like a, an evolutionary journey for me. The real big turning point was my spiritual awakening. And this is when we connected. So this is quite interesting. This was when I was in a four-year relationship and the relationship was beautiful. It was amazing. It was such a safe soul love. It was gorgeous. However, there was a lack of passion. There was a lack of true intimacy. And I've never experienced that in a relationship before. Like sex and everything else has always been very easy for me. It's always been very effortless in a relationship. But in this particular relationship, there was some sort of friction and block with that. And I couldn't understand why. Anyway, for about a year, I developed polycystic ovary syndrome and I was in a lot of pain and I was having a lot of, you know, pre-menstrual de depression symptoms, even though I wasn't actually having a cycle. And I tried all these lifestyle and diet changes. I was working with a naturopath and just nothing seemed to work. So I ended up going to an energy healer, which blows my mind now because I should have done that initially, <laughs> right? Because I obviously grew up with energy healers. So I know how powerful it is when you go to the root cause. So anyway, I went to see an energy healer and I told him everything that was going on with my body. And I told him everything that was going on in my relationship. And he said, Emma, I want to do something with you that I don't do with a lot of people, but I feel that you're ready for it. So I want you to come back in two days time and I'm going to do an energy healing session with you. I was like, okay, cool. Anyway, I went back two days later and what I later found out was he, he did, uh, he facilitated an energy orgasm on me, which is, you know, you can YouTube it. I know you probably know what it is. It kind of looks like you're going through an exorcism, <laughs> but it's basically where, you know, you're facilitated by a very seasoned professional energy healer and they move the energy from your root energy center all the way through to your crown energy center and then back through your heart space, which is what an orgasm is. But at this deep, deep energetic level, you're using your breath, your movement and sound to really unblock any stagnant energy that you're holding in each of the energy centers. Now, my world completely changed. My world completely fucking changed after that moment because I jumped off of that bed that day. And it's literally like the only way I can describe it is as if I just popped an acid tab or something and the whole world looked different. It felt different. Everything was vibrant. Everything was vibrating. I felt so in flow. Like I didn't have an identity. I didn't have a personality. There was no limitation that I was looking at, you know, like how we look through the world through the lens of limitation. There was none of that. I was just pure vibration, pure possibility. And that's really when I started to experience feminine energy, because what had happened is this relationship was actually reflecting, reflecting all of my deep, deep wounds of feeling unwanted and rejected from my high school, from childhood, which is what I just referenced. And it had manifested in my reproductive organs because it was very much connected to my feminine energy. I wasn't embodied in my feminine energy because I didn't feel safe to, I didn't know how to. And so what this energy session did was it really unlocked all of that. And I had like six weeks of complete euphoria, complete bliss. And I was trying to understand what I was experiencing. So that's when I started researching it. And I found out that it, you know, some people call it Kundalini awakening. Some people call it spiritual awakening. And um, that's what I came to understand that I was experiencing. And then after those six weeks of bliss, that's when I went into the dark night of the soul. That's when I actually had to sit with all of the pain of being rejected and unwanted and everything else. And that lasted for about a year and a half. And we were connected during that time. I think like just towards the end, that's when we connected and you helped me through some really wild spiritual kind of fucking, I don't know what planet I'm on kind of stuff. Um, it unlocked a lot for me, but 
that's when I really started to step into feminine energy. That's when I started to uh, step into surrender because when you're in that, that moment of complete despair to the point where you don't even know how to fucking live because you're experiencing so much emotional pain, you arrive at this point of surrender because mentally it might be perceived as giving up, but you're not giving up. You're just giving up the resistance that you're holding onto, to feeling what you need to feel for your evolution. And so I had so many incredible moments where the divine invited me to surrender. And as soon as I did that, I entered this whole different way of being. And ever since then, it's just been such a commitment for me to continue surrendering to my power and allow that divinity to really be shone through me because I'm, I'm constantly surrendering the resistance I have to allow that to come through. And so this just completely rocked my world sexually, intimately, through surrender, through business, through leadership. And I just, I have to say like the woman that I am now through going through that experience and everything that's come from that is just absolutely mind-blowingly incredible. Like when people meet me today and they meet me as this confident, powerful, very relaxed, very in surrender, very you know, a lot of people say that my sexual energy is very strong and everything like that. The fact that I'm that now blows my mind because if you met me in school, I was a completely different person. And this is why I love doing the work that I do because I want to create space for other women to step into this, knowing that it's possible. I've literally built myself this way, not because I tried to force myself to be a certain way, but because I started to let go of the resistance I was holding to being my true self. And when you do that, you naturally step into your embodied feminine because you feel safe to do that. When you let go of this resistance, you naturally step into your ability to surrender. And surrender is the cornerstone of the spiritual evolutionary path. You cannot evolve spiritually, personally, or professionally without the continual practice of surrender. So here I am doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I love that. You said so many things in there that I was like, maybe I should take it there. Maybe we should. Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's cool that your parents were um, energy healers. I didn't actually know that. And I wonder what my life would be like if my parents were energy healers. I'm like, wow, that'd be interesting. Um, yeah. Did it trip you out? Like having parents that were, and it like, did you resist it at the start? Because they were so like that. You were like really resistant to it. It's really interesting because I actually believe that I was born into a family like that so that I could feel safety to do what I'm here to do. Because right. obviously everyone has different experiences to give rise to their destiny, their purpose, their mission here. I know with me that if my family didn't align with the energy, with spirituality, with things like that, I don't know if I could actually do what I'm here to do here because I don't think I would feel safe enough to even be here anymore. Mm. It created such a safety with me because I have always felt understood even like when I was young, I remember like, fuck, when I was super, super young, I could not understand what had happened and what was the future. Like it was so strong, my precognition. And my mom was just so supportive because she got it. Like sometimes I'd be like, oh, mom, like I loved this, like da, da, da. She's like, what are you on about? That never happened. And the next day it would happen. And she's like, I see you. I get it. And so I felt so safe to be in that. I think I definitely did resist it to a certain extent, but more so because it wasn't accepted of in society. So I would be at home and my dad would be meditating and there would be crystals and, you know, we'd talk about energy and things like that. And then I'd go to school and I was like, whoa, like, what is this different world that I've just stepped into where there's drama and there's conflict and there's bitching. And, and, and that's what I really, really struggled with. That's why I kind of felt like I was playing two different masks, two different identities. At home, I was this super talkative, bubbly, vibrant 
child. I've always been like that. And this is why I'm, I'm like this now because I've released the resistance to it. But then I would go to school and I would put on this mask of being socially anxious and being a mute and everything else. So I resisted it to the extent of people are going to think I'm weird, right? Even like growing up, I don't know if I can say the word here, but I, we didn't get the Vs. <laughs> like in school, Say whatever like, you want to say, babe. <laughs> <laughs> so in Australia, I think it's compulsory to get the vaccines, but in England, it's um, it's not compulsory. You get to choose. So I would never get the vaccines because my my mum and dad always they would always subscribe to this magazine called What Doctor What Doctors Don't Tell You, and I just love it because every morning I would come down the stairs and I would look at the magazine and be like, oh, what's like behind the scenes of the medical industry today? And so my parents have always been tapped into something different. They've always been tapped into an alternative knowing and experiencing of this lifetime, and that kind of made me uncomfortable in terms of the way that I lived was very different. Um, so I didn't really talk about my family life very much growing up. It was only when I was kind of in my mid-20s that I started speaking about it. Um, and that definitely came with a lot of trouble when I stepped into this field because I still had that deep, deep resistance of, well, what if people don't accept me? What if this is still taboo? What if people still aren't ready for this? And you look around the world and the whole fucking world is ready for this. Like, are you kidding? Like the world is so ready for this work, for this wisdom, for this knowing, but I was still living as that little girl that was really afraid. And that was probably one of the biggest obstacles to me stepping into the work that I'm doing. Um, and a, a big thing for me that came from that is I was always waiting for the world to be ready for me without realizing that I'm already ready for the world. Like the world is already ready for me. I don't need to wait. It's fucking ready because I'm here and I know what I know and I practice what I practice and I preach what I preach. So that, that was a big thing, but yeah, there was, a, there was resistance there. And can I just say one point actually, because this is a real big cornerstone of why I do what I do. The reason I resisted it is because of the psychological schemas that people had about spirituality and energy. Like when, when I say to people, my dad's an energy healer, they, they automatically think that he's walking around in white robes and he's saging and he's this and he's that. If you meet my dad, he wears shirts to work. He's so like, just very like, just, how do I explain it? Like he has a knowing of all of this stuff, but he's just very like an everyday fucking person. <laughs> like same as my mom, you wouldn't meet her and think, oh, she's psychic. Like she... And, and that's what I struggled with is like, how do people have this perception of spirituality, but then me, the way that I look, the way that I am and the way that my family look, the way that my family are, doesn't match the schema that people have of what spirituality is. And that's just been like a big theme of my life is being that bridge between the mainstream and the metaphysics. I've worked with people that have no belief in psych psychic ability and they come to me for psychic readings. I've worked with people that have no understanding of quantum physics and energy, but they work with me and they listen to me because there's something about the way that I've been divinely designed and orchestrated by what, how I look, how I articulate myself, my personality. There's something about that divine orchestration that allows me to spread this awareness of consciousness in a way that people that don't even know consciousness are able to receive it. And I think that's such a blessing that I've kind of learned from coming from the family that I come from is you don't have to look a certain way or be a certain way to, to really embody this beautiful, powerful metaphysical knowing. I love that. And they're just stereotypes most of the time, right? <laughs> I actually, it's really funny you said that because I had an interview with a woman in America this morning and she goes, oh, you look like a priestess. And I was like, what, is, what does a priestess look like? I don't, do they look like something? 
okay, cool. Um, and I get that. I get that. It's like, we think that we have to look or come across a certain way in this field. And what, what does that look like? What does it even look like? Right. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, something you said earlier about the faces and the masks really resonated with me because when I was younger, um, when I was in my twenties, the way that I related to my sexual energy and my empowerment as a female was through this character of Violet Royale that I created for myself. So I was a burlesque performer and a musician. And I had this persona, this tough, like rockabilly tattooed, like burlesque performer, super hot, like big sexual energy, um, sassy, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But because it was in that persona, it made me feel safe because it was like, if someone rejects me, doesn't fucking matter because they're not rejecting Beck, they're rejecting my persona, right? So it enabled me to get up on stage and take my clothes off and twerk in people's faces and spit cucumber on the audience, all sorts of wild things I used to do. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, when I did music and stuff, and it's funny because it made me think of this story and I just wanted to share it. When I, a couple of years ago in Bali, I, had, I hadn't been on a stage in like years and years and years since I had that persona and I, I did kind of de- constructed that persona, reclaimed my sexual energy, did a bunch of things. And then I went to go do this talent show in Bali, or it was like an open mic night where mm -hmm. I got up to sing and there was no mask. There was no violet. There was nothing there. And it was just me. And I was petrified. I was shaking. My voice broke. It was like the worst performance I've ever done in my life. And afterwards I was like, what the fuck? I'm a performer. Like, this is what I do. I literally twerked in front of an audience of 50 year olds and my mom and that didn't scare me. I took my clothes off in front of men. Like I've done all these things and this has freaked me out for some reason. And I realized without the crutch of the alcohol, without the crutch of the identity, without the crutch of the persona, um, then it was just me, raw, vulnerable me. And it hurts so much more if that is rejected than this persona that you create that's not real. It's like we hide behind this version of ourselves. And my sexual energy was hiding behind this persona of like this man-eater, um, over-sexualized, you know, super empowered female. But really, I was actually very disempowered. And yeah, it's just really interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to know what your perception on all of this is. Or I know you've got something to say there because your face. Yeah, is I'm like, yeah. because this is the interesting thing. And I might flip this on its head a little bit, because even that part of you that got up that felt raw and vulnerable in that moment is still a persona of sorts. Because the truth of who you are doesn't know rejection. The truth of who you are cannot be rejected. It's vibrationally impossible for the truth of who we are to be rejected, to be abandoned, to be unwanted. So the part of you that still holds a little bit of fear of being rejected is an of itself still a mask. Wow. Just, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, sorry. I was like, yes, keep going. Yeah. It's just a different mask that's almost existing on the other end of the spectrum because now you're ready to experience that for your own healing and growth and evolution. So the personality that you had as that empowered by less dancers served you. Like any, any personality trait, any mask that we develop is a survival strategy. It's a survival strategy to belong because that's the number one drive of the human race is love, acceptance and belonging. So we create these survival strategies, which are masks, so we can blend into our environment and therefore be accepted. Am I lagging a little bit? Ooh. Okay, so sorry about that, guys. We just had to pause it because there was some lagging, but we are back. So as I was saying, um, we create these personalities as and these masks as survival strategies. And so when our subconscious mind recognizes that we have all of the resources in our external environment to feel safe, to process any suppressed emotion from our past, 
that will then come up to the surface to be looked at. That's when we go into this feeling of vulnerability. This is when we go into this feeling of being raw and being open. It's that part of us that carries that insecurity that gave birth to the survival strategy in the first place, right? So that part of you that felt like you couldn't show up as yourself then gave birth to that hyper-sexualized, empowered part of you. Because right, maybe because it's trying to protect me. Yeah, 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 I understand that. It's the only way you could feel that you could receive love, acceptance, and attention. And then once you realize, once your subconscious mind is like, oh, I'm actually safe to let this insecurity part of myself come out, then that other identity, that other mask comes up. But one thing that I do really want to um, emphasize here is that's still a mask. Like when I realized that all of these feelings of being unwanted, rejected, and abandoned was actually just illusion, when I realized that the truth of who I am is a vibrational being that cannot be rejected, that cannot be unwanted, that cannot be abandoned because I'm fucking here. And my presence and my existence in this world is the acceptance and love that I'm looking for. When I realized that, I, you kind of create this separation between your observer self, your conscious awareness, and then all of these personalities and identities that are playing out, right? So it's this real, and it takes practice to get to that level of observership. Yeah, that's super powerful. I've had moments of that for sure. I've had moments of that where I've like completely dissolved back and like been like, oh, fuck, <laughs> doesn't even matter. Like it's like doesn't even exist. It's just, a you know, um, but that's so you just like, whoa, I didn't even realize that in that moment, that part of me that felt rejected is it's an identity. And that's the idea. That's so powerful. So can I yeah, share wow. something else that's just yeah. Kind of like, yeah, yeah. But like just off of what you just said. This is what trip, trips people up is when we look at life through the lens of being somebody. This is, this is kind of like about to go quite deep, but when we look at life through the lens of our personality or an identity, there's always going to be limitation. If we're leading our business through the lens of me as Emma, as this personality, I am always going to be leading in my business through ego, through insecurity, through fear, through self-doubt, because that's where all of those frequencies, those masks, those personalities live is based off of the ego. When I practice becoming nobody, when I continually every day create space to just become pure vibration, to transcend the limitation of the mind, to transcend the emotions that I'm feeling, to transcend the awareness of me being a body and actually just entering pure awareness and pure consciousness, and then create from that place, then align with an alternate reality from that place, then pull from the divine, for what I'm ready to channel through into this physical reality from that place, then it's coming from a place that's so beyond the masks and the identities. And that's where we step into, especially in business, that's when we shift from self to service. Because if we're always trying to create from the level of self, we're always going to be coming against these obstacles and our, our progression personally and professionally is going to be a lot slower. I love that so much. And it resonates even with me because I know that there's still, there's always more layers of that um, being that vessel. Right. And I, I pride myself on everything that I do is channeled. So it's like, I'm this vessel and it's not my stuff. Like this podcast, the intention was, this is things coming through me. It's not my podcast. It's God's podcast. <laughs> it's sources podcast. And I'm just here to transmit that information. And I think it's so important for us to have that I still see where I do it sometimes in my business of like, why am I not reaching more people or why am I not more successful? Why don't I have more money? It's not my fucking money. It's not my business. It's not, you know, it's, 
it's something bigger than me completely. And can we let that go? And I think that many people who've come here with this mission or purpose, their human gets caught up trying to make it about them. And it's really fucking not. And then the ego is like, but what about me? And I want success and I want, you know, I heard you speak about um, legacy and I fucking resonated. And I want you to go on that rant again, because that was the part I was like, I need to get her speaking because we're so in alignment with like what we're talking about. Because for me, the moment I let go of this is my legacy that I'm leaving and it needs to be about me. And I need to be, this is why I started bringing people on because I was like, it's not fucking about me. So I'm not the only channel who has something to say. And this is God working through me. So of course I'm going to get people on that have these brilliant ideas. And then things started to take off for me. And I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, cool. It makes sense. Like, it's not about me, but how you eloquent, um, you eloquently put that was just so beautiful. And I would love you to express that on here because many people haven't heard that. And I heard it and I was like, ah, oh, yes. I love what you said. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. I do. That was uh, the clip from a podcast interview I did before when he was asking me about mentorship. And that's the thing is legacy. A lot of people think legacy. Okay. A lot of people want to create legacy from their ego which means that they're always gonna come up against the challenges and obstacles that we just spoke about. The fear, the doubt, the insecurity. If you switch it from, okay, self to service, and you're like, I know that as a vessel of consciousness, my only job here is to continue to open up to, to divine information and knowing and wisdom. And as you do that, it, it becomes no longer about you. You don't have to be the face of the legacy. What it's about is making sure that your time on this planet, your imprint whilst you're here in this lifetime, in this brain, in this body, is felt and experienced by people that you don't even fucking know. Like my goal is that there are people in countries I've never even heard about before that are practicing the wisdom and the knowledge that I share. And I don't even need to know about it because just the knowing that me showing up every single fucking day and sharing the truth of who I am and being that vessel of consciousness, that's all I need to know to leave a legacy and an imprint on this world. I love the idea that I don't even know who's watching my content all the time or who's, like sometimes people come out the woodwork from nowhere just being like, Emra, I've been following you for like three years. I love what you do. This changed my life. This changed my life. This changed my life. And I'm like, amazing. And I didn't even need to know that because I'm not leading my business and my message through the lens of validation. I'm leading it through the lens of, I'm here to make a fucking impact through continuing to open up to consciousness. And however that desires to be expressed through me, however that desires to be birthed through me, through business, through my personal life, through my relationships, that's just my one commitment. And I think some people forget to plug in and anchor into a bigger context. Like when you make your mission, your business, your life experience about a bigger context, a bigger purpose, it really eliminates the self-doubt. It really eliminates the self-doubt. So many people are living their life through the content rather than the context, right? So they're continually focused on the content of, okay, what can I say that's going to impact people? What can I do that's going to make a difference for these people? And how can they share my content? And how can they speak my name? And it's like, no, it's not about that. It's about the fact that I believe each and every one of us have come here to contribute to the evolution of humanity and how we individually choose to do that and express that is dependent on our divine orchestration as a human, what we look like, what we feel like, what, what our life experiences are, our genetic gifts, talents, and blessings, our life experiences, all of that will contribute to how we're here to contribute to the evolution of humanity. 
but it's not about us getting what we want in this life. It's about us operating on a frequency that creates change just by who we are being, right? And that's the difference. And I think when more people switch to that, the world will be a much better place <laughs> because the Amazing. reason- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, so no, no, you hear there's something, okay. You wanted to talk about manifestation. I'm like, okay, I know where, where this is going to go. I want to say one thing before we move into this. And it's so funny because I still feel really good when I get messages from people being like, thank you so much. Like I listened to your thing and it, and I told one of my friends about that. And she was like, Beck, you're still attached. Like whether it's negative feedback or positive feedback, if you're attached to that feedback, you're still attached. And I was like, fuck, oh my God. And so like, when I get messages now, I'm like, that's nice but I need to not be attached to that and not be attached to looking for who am I impacting proof that I'm impacting and just trusting that I'm impacting. And again, since I've started doing that, it's, it's funny. I, I almost get more people reaching out to me since then. Cause I'm not so attached to it, but it's also like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you know, you want to know that you're, you're helping in some way and you want that feedback to know that you're helping in some way, but can you just know from that knowing place of you that I'm showing up and I'm doing what I meant to do? I'm needing to hear this today because I've been in a bit of a shit show for a week. So thank you. The second thing I want to say is, okay, with all of that you've just said, um, it's not about the stuff. It's about, you know, um, what you're creating and, and, and embodying this energy of source and all of that. It's not about what you get. How does your framework of manifestation fit into that? So we are allowed to have desires, obviously, and we're meant to have our desires as part of that. So how do you remove your human from the desire um, so you can manifest the things that you desire but still be of service? Does that well, question make sense? Yeah, I think so. So the, the thing that trips people up is when you have a desire, that means that that thing is meant for you to experience. That's why you're feeling that vibration in your energetic vortex is because that's meant for you to actualize. The thing that humans can't do is remain in the void, is remain in the gap between the idea of something and the having of it. If you can practice and really learn to surrender into the void and to hold the energy of something without the physical evidence of it, that's when that becomes manifest. What we do is we feel a desire for something, we get excited about it, we feel in all the deliciousness of it, and then because we can't see it in our current reality, we instantly go into lack mode. We instantly go into scarcity mode and we're like, oh, but how am I going to get it? Oh, but I can't see it right now. So how is that going to happen? How is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? And it's not a question of how, because if you're consistently asking how, you're not opening and creating space for miracles. The amount of times that I've held the desire in my vortex and I've felt excited about it and I've sustained the excitement of that desire and I've opened up for it surprising me in whichever way the universe wants to align me with it and then it comes through in a way that I could not have pre-anticipated that it was going to come through like mind-blowing stuff and last year there were so many circumstances that gave evidence for this and so it's really about when you feel that desire you have to know that that is vibrational evidence because you're going to go into question mode because it's not your reality yet. But this is the thing about humans is we're always going to be in a gap because we're ever expanding and ever evolving beings. We are always going to be giving rise to a desire wherever we're at. Like this reality that you're experiencing right now has already manifested. So stop focusing your attention there, right? This has already been created. It's done. It's signed, sealed, delivered. So now pay attention to your desires and know that you're stepping into and closing the gap between your current reality and your next level reality. But in that gap, you have to be okay 
And you have to get comfortable being in that discomfort of the not knowing, being in that discomfort of the void. When you can train yourself to continue holding the, the energy of something without the evidence of it, you become a very dangerous and powerful person. Like, even if you think about it, sometimes I reference, and this might sound quite extreme, but sometimes I reference people that have made massive collective shifts, like created, sorry, massive collective shifts, like Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, like Gandhi, like so many people that are really pioneers in shifting the collective, they believed in something before anyone else did, right? Did that stop them? Fucking no because they believed in it and they stood by it. And even when they didn't have people gathering around them and supporting them, they still held on to it because they knew that that was what they were here to close the gap with in this reality. And it always eventuated in some way, shape or form for that shift to happen. Now, this is the thing is we can't anticipate exactly how it's gonna happen. We just have to know that it is. One, one of the most powerful things I do when it comes to manifestation is it, it, it's about separating emotion from desire, right? This is something I do that sounds so unsexy and so unglamorous, but my intention every single day is to become the most neutral state that I can be. <laughs> and it sounds so unsexy because people are like, no, I want to experience adventure. And I want to I'm and over here like, going, I love it. I love yeah, it. Keep going. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> because this is the thing is when you're in a state of neutrality, there's no emotional charge, right? This is a place of non-attachment. When you're not attached to things, they come easy and effortless. Think about something that comes so easy and effortless to you. It's just always there, right? It's always there. It's always there. It could be a relationship of love with your family. It could be food that's on your table. Things that feel very natural for us are the most effortless. So the more emotional charge you have towards manifesting something, the harder it is going to feel to close that gap because you're going to be holding emotional resistance. So you have to keep continue to work to arrive at a place of neutrality, which is a place of non-attachment. And how you do that is you identify the resistant thoughts and feelings that are blocking you from closing that gap. And as you clean up that energy, you clean up that stagnancy, you clean up the heaviness, you clean up the obstacles, you then arrive at this place of neutrality where that thing becomes easy and effortless for you. Now, the reason I say differentiating between emotion and desire is because often emotion will come from ego, right? Emotion is a chemical reaction, which is triggered by a thought form, by a thought impulse. So our ego is what generates the thought forms that we have. And the, those thought forms will be habitual thinking based off of our past experience. So if you're continually listening to the thoughts you're having and feeling the emotions that you're feeling, it's actually anchoring you into a past. So you have to be able to transcend the level of thought, transcend the level of emotion and enter that stage of complete neutrality, that complete awareness. That is where the desires exist. Your desires exist from a place of consciousness, vortex, energy, the divine, God, whatever you call it. So what I do is if I feel a strong emotional charge towards something, whether that's positive or negative, well, what I perceive to be positive or negative, I allow that to exist. I allow that to be acknowledged. And I also don't move from that place. I will not invest in something or make a decision from a place of high emotional charge, whether positive or negative. Because for me, I want to re return to the place of neutrality so I can actually make sure that that desire is clean and pure. Sometimes people get really excited about an idea that they have purely because their ego is actually looking for certainty. So as soon as they see something, they're like, oh my God, that gives me safety. That gives me certainty. That's what I'm going to do. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And it's like, no, that's actually still operating from ego. You're just trying to find certainty in something. So then they follow that path. And then they're like, why is there so much resistance? Why is this not happening? And it's like, because it's not a pure, clean desire. 
it's actually just your ego looking for certainty and then the emotion you feel is inspiration and excitement because of that certainty it gives you it's not a pure desire your desire will feel like it comes from something outside of you your desire will feel like it's not even you that's thought it it's not even you that's felt it it's almost something that's been imprinted on you and you're like oh okay let me move from this place let me see how delicious this feels let me now that i've become neutral with this desire let me see what emotions it inspires in me and let me see how I can sustain that desire and hold the energy without the evidence of it being physically manifested. If that answers the question. <laughs> it does. I'm curious your perception on like, so we're not, we're not meant to get attached to either the good or the bad, right? And when we are like using air commas for that because, you know, there is no good or bad, but our association of the good and the bad and just as yeah. much as like our fears from having something are going to create a negative charge, which is resistance to it, our obsession with it, or the obsessions of the feelings of it feels so good mm -hmm. um, being in this space or desiring it. How do we detach from those positive emotions so we can neutralize the positive ones, right? So for instance, like an example is like, so when I sit in the frequency of sacred union or my business taking off or like reaching a bunch of people, whatever, that feels really fucking amazing. And it feels really good. But I know that even those emotions of excitement or um, joy or love or whatever it is they're still attachment because it's not neutral so mm -hmm. how do you like the bad ones obvious you have to sit with the well for me it's obvious if I have to now sit with my deepest fear of this materializing and me being rejected or whatever that shadow is and I sit with it I sit with it I sit with it until it doesn't have any charge anymore and then sometimes what I do is I sit in the positive and 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 then I bring myself back to the neutral point of like if this never manifested would I be okay can I sit with the feeling of this never, ever, ever happening? Mm -hmm. What would my life, like for instance, a partner lately, I've been like getting really frustrated and been like, you know what, fuck it. If this is never going to happen, this is, even though I know it's going to happen, if this was to never happen, can I be okay with that? Can I accept this never manifesting and then release it? So I'm curious what your perception on, on that point is. Mm. Yeah. So many things I want to say, and I don't want to forget anything, but like, this is the thing is in that moment when you say, oh, maybe this is never going to happen. That's the moment you enter surrender. That's the moment you, you enter the realm of not knowing how it's going to happen because you've completely given up with the idea about happening. And that's more often than not when it happens, right? Because this is the thing is when we, and, and it comes down to what I was saying before, when we have a preconceived idea, how something is going to align with us, we're actually blocking it from potentially coming in the way that it's meant to for our highest evolution and our highest good. I think sometimes people forget that we're in a co-creation and co-collaboration with our non-physical part and the non-physical part of ourself is much, much larger than, than the physical part of ourself. And when I say physical part, I mean this body, right? So there is a version of us that exists as pure energy, as pure consciousness that is that we are in a co-collaboration with. And we've decided to extend into physical form so that we can experience the physical manifestation of what our non-physical part is creating with us. And so we have to just that's why surrender is so so important it's so so important because when you give up the need to know that's when it will come through it's crazy i've experienced this so many times and i think um fuck, there were a few things i wanted to say um about that like the the highest and, and quickest way for personal and professional growth is that state of non-attachment it will always be the most powerful way for you to move forward but also understanding how life is showing you contrast for you to give rise to the desire. So the fact that you have a lack of a sacred union in your life is allowing you to know that you actually want sacred union. 
So that contrast and that reference point is such an amazing thing. It's not a bad thing that you haven't got it. It's an incredible thing because it's teaching you what you actually want. And so in that wanting, you give rise to a new desire and then you have to be okay letting go and being comfortable in the discomfort of the void in order for that desire to align with you. And also not having preconceived outcomes of exactly how it needs to be. So this is one thing I see is that people that want to call in like a soulmate union, they get very specific on has to be this way, has to be this way, has to be this way, or, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, what if you're not ready for that yet? What if there's something else that, that the universe wants you to experience to prepare you for that level of love or to prepare you for that? Or And, and this is the really fascinating thing is that we have to remember that we, we understand this reality through our individual perception of it. So that love that you desire, the fact you desire it means that it already exists. So it's already in your field. So the question is, how open are you to seeing and receiving it? Because if you are still in that, that pattern of, oh, I don't know where he is, or I don't know where she is, or I don't know what it's going to, you know, then that's actually blocking you. It's like, you've got blinders on, right? And you can't see what's actually open and available to you. And I genuinely believe that sometimes, and you, you hear this with, you know, people that have been friends for like 15 years and they end up falling in love and getting married like years later, it's because that person was always there, but you weren't open to receiving it and seeing it in that way. And then as soon as you become open to it, boom, right? You connect. I truly believe that you can walk past someone in a bar and that can be your soulmate. And if you are open to receiving and seeing it, then that alignment will happen in that moment. And if you're not, then you're entering a reality where you don't meet that person. And so this is the crazy thing. And I've worked with clients that are like this, where they feel so lonely and they feel that they desire this love. They feel so unlovable or unloved, but yet they're choosing to continually focus their attention and energy on the fact that they feel alone and unloved. And it's like, well, how are you then becoming available to be a vibrational match for someone that you feel connected and loved with? It's just vibrationally impossible. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in our emotions. And this is why moving from a place of non-attachment and neutrality is so, so important for growth and evolution is because your emotions, as much as sometimes they can be a guidance system, they can really confuse the fuck out of you. Like they can really muddle things up. Sometimes if you're feeling fear or anger about something, you actually don't need to continue focusing on it. You, And this is one thing I find, especially with people like us that are in the coaching space, healing space, mentoring space, is because we're aware of emotions, we're aware of how this works, we're aware of shadow work, we're aware of transmutation work and transformation, we can get very stuck in feeling things, creating space to feel things and moving through things because we understand it. Sometimes we just need to fucking move, right? Sometimes the problem is the fact that we perceive this as a problem. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to acknowledge it and be like, oh, okay, so I'm feeling this way about something. So what is that referencing? What is that contrast showing me? Okay, cool. Now I'm going to put myself in the solution frequency. I'm not going to stay in this low vibration any longer. I'm actually going to move into the alternate frequency because if I'm feeling this low frequency, then there's opposing, then there's an opposing frequency that exists simultaneously. So I get to hold the container and the duality of both ends of the spectrum. And I get to audit, where am I putting my time, energy and focus into? And if it's more on the low vibration, then I've got to switch my focus. And that's all I need to fucking do. So really when it comes to growth and transformation, a big, big part of that is attention training to consistently audit where you're putting your attention into and know that if you're experiencing that contrast, that low vibration, then there's also an alternate reality and frequency that exists. So start tapping more and more into that feeling into that, thinking into that, playing in that energy in that arena. And then you slowly start to become a vibrational match for things that align with that frequency. 
Yeah. And that's different to just pasting. Like I'm really, really not into spiritual bypassing, like pasting positive emotions over negative emotions or negating your emotions or telling them to shut up or whatever that is. It's like, I'm acknowledging you, I'm listening to you, but I also, you're like a child who doesn't know better. And I'm going to direct you this way. I'm going to, you know, when a kid's having a tantrum, do you tell them to shut up or do you hand them a nice little flower and you say, Oh, look at that. I've seen my, my cousin does this so well with her kid where he's having this full blown tantrum because there's a dog. And instead of being like, don't cry, don't get emotional or whatever it is, stop that. She goes, Oh, look at my sunglasses. And she distracts him over here for a second. And it's almost like that is a pattern break, which gets them out of that space. And um, I definitely need to yeah, work more on that myself because I do find myself getting caught in the, I have to feel it. I have to feel it. I have to express it. And then it's a trap and it's a loop. Um, and I'm getting better at that as I move along, but yeah, it's interesting to see how much time I, I spent stuck in that of like, I have to feel this because I don't want to bypass this and I have to be compassionate for myself. Um, and sometimes there is like, you literally can't move on without expressing it. Like that is, there are times when it just needs to be released. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are also times and spaces where you can train yourself to move into a different frequency. So I love that. Um, Sorry, I just want to add to that. Yeah. This is a really interesting thing is I feel like because we're coming out of an emotional dark age, there's been a lot of a focus on allowing yourself to feel and express emotions. And then the level beyond that, once you've learned to be okay and accepting of feeling and expressing your emotions, the level beyond that is rather than emotional expression, it's emotional utilization. This is something that I've started speaking about a lot because emotional expression can actually be one of the, the lowest consciousness ways of experiencing emotion. And this is something that came up. I run this two-day women's retreat called In Her Wild. And at the last, I think it was the last one that I did in Gold Coast, there was a lady that um, was very cracked open by something when we went into the mother healing and wounding. And she was very cracked open by it. So I was kind of oscillating between focusing on the group and looking after the group and facilitating the group and then also facilitating her in a one-to-one capacity. Anyway, she ended up emailing me uh, maybe like four weeks after that retreat saying that she she wished that I had opened the space in the group for her to tell her story and experience. And I acknowledged her desire for that. And I also said to her, the reason I didn't do that is because I knew that that would actually keep you in the perpetual thinking and emotion and story that you were playing out. Because I could tell that for her, she is very open and honest about speaking about her experience and she's been through a very tough life and everything else. And there is so much acknowledgement of, of that. And the fact that she's still here and living is incredibly courageous that that's how I see it. But also if I continue to create space for her to express her thoughts and emotions, that would just be keeping her in her story. So for me as a mentor and a coach, my number one thing is to continually align people with their highest, their highest power, their highest standard. And so I knew in that moment that the best thing for her would be to not create that space for expression and to actually behind closed doors, teach her how to utilize it instead of expressing it. And so we have to know, like, this is how I roll is that when I feel intense emotion, I know that sometimes I need to express the surface level stuff as in like, when I'm feeling incredibly angry, sometimes I just need to scream into a pillow, hit a pillow, hit a boxing bag you know, dance outrageously. Like I need to channel that energy, but then I also know that the, the level beyond that is to then utilize the rest of the energy. Like I know when I'm in a state of anger, I'm incredibly productive. <laughs> like, and if I was to choose to continue expressing that anger and sitting in that, I wouldn't be creating some fucking epic stuff. 
my when you said before we jumped on that some of my content on social media has really been like resonating with you and popping off with you that happened because I was fucking angry right I've been through a really tough few months personally no one would be able to see I'm obviously I speak about it very openly but no one would be able to see because I'm also holding the duality of the gift of the experience and what I'm stepping into and who I'm becoming through the gift of that experience but there was a time where I was so fucking fired up and angry. I was just content, 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 content. And everyone was like, Emma, you're so on fire at the moment. Your content is so amazing. And it's because I was using my life experience to channel it into creating something which could really help other people. And if I didn't feel that anger, I might not have had that power behind me to really fuel me in that direction. So I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves, Am I stuck in the expression of the emotion or am I able to move beyond that into the level of utilization and to see how I can really channel this into creation, into, into moving something forward? Yeah. And I love this in reference to the context of like the collective anger of when you start waking up and you start noticing all these things happening and the matrix and the society and the fucking the agendas and all this stuff and you can be in that anger and be in that anger and be in that anger or you can use that anger and that sacred rage to fuel you to create something new and this is really important right because so many of us get stuck in that the anger at what is or the frustration of what's been and, and not using that as fuel because anger is, you're right, it's fuel. My mom says that all the time. Whenever she's pissed at my dad, she cleans and does stuff. And yeah, so I see that. Um, beautiful. Well, this has been incredible. I think we're going to wrap it up because we've gotten so much juice here. Emma, if people would love to follow you or work with you or see what's up with you, how can they find you? Mm, so I hang out on Instagram mainly as we all do. So that's just at Emma Zia and that's spelled Z-I-A with two hyphens at the end. Um, and through there you can find my links on my website emmazia.com and everything else so yeah thank you so much wisdom like I, I'm like learned some stuff on here and I feel a little bit personally triggered but in the best way possible because I'm like <laughs> do I really need to spend another two days processing, processing through the full moon stuff or can I just move on so thank mm -hmm. you um, mm -hmm. and I hear you and it's been wonderful and I know that a lot of people are going to get so much from this so mm -hmm. thank you thank you thank you guys yeah. if you have enjoyed this definitely go follow Emma check out her own podcast and what she's putting out there in the world if you've enjoyed this podcast, I would love if you could give me a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe on YouTube. It's really important. I don't say it enough, but I would love that, guys, if you're listening. Um, I would appreciate that from you all. Until next time, much love, beautiful beings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cracked Open. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share with a friend if this episode has served you in any way. For more information about the work that I do or to get in touch with me, read the show notes or head to beckmylonis.com. Until next time, beautiful soul.